strategic growth and cohesion can be winning ingredients in a recipe for success if you know how to accelerate and execute your vision. It can also act as tremendous assistance if there's a pivot in your trajectory. For Chandler Walker, this is certainly the case. Chandler began his entrepreneurial journey after graduating from the University of Nevada, Reno, with a degree in biochemistry and foregoing a medical pathway to pursue a brick-and-mortar wellness facility. He then pivoted to an online health practice a year before the COVID lockdown. After scaling both businesses to the seven-figure level and conducting well over three to 4,000 sales consultations, Chandler grew tired of the way sales was taught. And then he had an intuitive moment of discovery, which he joined me this week to tell me all about. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Take a moment to welcome you to the program, and I'm super excited to learn all about your journey in business. Great to be with you this afternoon, and thanks for a few minutes, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here and give some value to everybody who's listening, and hopefully we can take over the world in a meaningful and positive way. Yeah, Trevor, I know that you're rallying prior sort of mission as an entrepreneur is centered around strategic Yeah, basically the idea for me as an as an entrepreneur and what strategic growth and cohesion means is we want to grow in a way that allows us to strategically analyze where we need to go, how we get there, what the long-term vision looks like, and actually achieve those through micro successes. And ultimately, I think that's important as entrepreneurs because when we get into business, often we're only thinking about what's right in front of us because we get so overworked and so overwhelmed that we lose sight of the bigger picture. And, and it's easy to burn out. And it's easy to fall off track if you don't understand or see what the bigger picture looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And buddy, I know that you've started your uh, entrepreneurial career after uh, toiling with a career as a medical professional and you graduated from the University of Nevada, Reno. So uh, I know that you gave up that pathway to open up a brick and mortar healthcare and health and fitness facility. So tell me about your entrepreneurial journey, buddy, and how you got to where you are today. 
Yeah, good question. So basically growing up, I had a mother who suffered from bipolar disorder. And so I had to learn how to how to communicate with her and how to learn to love her for where she's at and not move into a position for disliking her for what she's suffering from. Because I think a lot of kids, learn they dislike their parents because of the way they are, what they're suffering from, especially in this case. And so as a kid, I really learned how to stay neutral and how to, how to love her for who she was and, and not what she was suffering from. And ultimately what that led me to was moving into a career in, in medicine and going to the, on the medical school pathway. I, I studied biochemistry and molecular biology in college, but then as I started getting into the, the medical pathway, as I started precepting, I still remember precepting down at one of the medical centers and I just, the thing we were doing was sitting there giving medication for a living. And it's not a shot at doctors. It's it's sort of a shot at the system where we haven't designed a system to where we can actually focus on long-term care or even holistic care. I can tell you to take a pill, but I can't tell you to take an apple or eat an apple. So that really disenfranchised me from the system uh, because as a kid, when my mother was suffering, they told her, just think happy thoughts. There's nothing wrong with you. Just pretend like it doesn't exist. And there was no real solution. And so for me, I wasn't really willing to settle for no real solution. And so then I pivot shifted and opened up my brick and mortar business. Uh, luckily, my dad was an entrepreneur. He sold siding and windows as a kid, and he would take me to get a donut and orange juice with him. I would watch him talk to customers. And so I had that experience to give me sort of the confidence that I needed to be able to have the, the vision to be able to jump into this thing. So then we built and opened up the brick and mortar, and, and we based it on six pillars of wellness. And it was mental health, social health, sleep, nutrition, fitness, and habits. And as of recently, I've added another pillar, which is wealth, because I think wealth management and finances are one of the most stressful things in a person's life. And it ends up being part of your fitness. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Chandler, I want to talk to you about business diversification in the, con in the context of your last answer talking about your mom. Chandler, I was actually born with what's called uh, spastic quadruple cerebral palsy. And part of my professional background outside of hosting this podcast is helping individuals with disabilities find and uh, maintain employment. So I'm curious to ask you about your perspective when it comes to uh, business diversification, inclusion, diversity, and equity, and, inf and infusing individuals with disabilities into that, that equation as well. Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think for me, it's incredibly important to give people opportunities for, across the board. So I want to be able to be inclusive so I can have the opportunity for people to, to work for us who have disabilities or who aren't able to essentially do what uh, uh, regular people would do. And so what, what I do is I, we set up ourselves in systems. So people without disabilities can do it and people with disabilities can do it. And there shouldn't be a place and time and there shouldn't be a position in this system to where someone can't do it because of a disability. And so for me, what I think it reflects on with the business owner is, are you prepared to create systems to be able to make this replicatable for people across the board? And if you're not, then you probably have to go back and revisit what you're even doing because you haven't built what you've done to a cohesive level enough to allow it to be usable by everybody across the board. And so for me, one of the biggest things is to create systems. It's step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six. But then at the same time, understanding that everybody's an individual and everybody is unique in the way that they think, learn, and operate. And so allowing that person to be mentored as we bring them on at the same time. And I think it doesn't really matter where the person's at, who the person is, 
I think what really matters is that we can put the time in and use what we've built in terms of our systems to be able to allow people to be able to thrive and shine and to understand that people learn and operate in different ways. Like growing up, my mother had bipolar disorder and that's characterized by really high highs and really low lows. And so you have to learn how to communicate with that kind of individual. For me, it's not, you can't just say, oh, well, she's mad today. Don't talk to her. You have to say, okay, well, they're mad today and they're up here. So let's learn how we talk them down. Let's learn how we be neutral. Let's learn how we not, how we remove the problem from being an issue and make this person feel safe and make this person feel like they're in a place where they can be okay. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, you sparked my interest in triggering me to ask this question. In terms of the caregiver of, of your mother, you know, I deal with uh, personal support workers myself on a daily and weekly basis uh, to uh, help me manage my disability. And tell me, about uh, the importance of having uh, a sort of a even kill of a emotional reaction when dealing uh, with the situation with your mother. I'm curious to get your perspective. Yeah, that's a good question. And a lot of the time when you experience bipolar disorder, you experience yelling, you experience someone who doesn't want to get out of bed, you experience someone who has extreme reactions to their emotions. And so for me, as, as another person, if I facilitate that by reacting emotionally to the way they act, I just perpetuate the cycle and create problems. And so for me, what you have to recognize is they're not doing it because they want to do it. They're doing it because they have to do it. They're doing it because that's how their brain is operating. And so for me, when someone reacts in, in those highs in terms of like bipolar disorder, it's not, hey, you're wrong. It's, hey, I, I, I totally get it. Let, let's talk about what's going on. Tell me a little bit about where you're at. Tell me a little bit about what we can do. And so I'm going to drop my tone. I'm going to put myself in a place where I ask more questions to where I can help understand, I can help my self-understand what the internal issue is and what's going on. So I can work to communicate with that person to essentially walk them down a few steps to calm them down or to put them into a place to where they can have a neutral or, or normal conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And pivoting back to your business journey, you know, Cameron, I know that you also took your uh, brick and mortar uh, facility to an online practice and you build those to uh, seven-figure operations. But, but you also knew when you were doing your sales consultations that you were uh, frustrated or disappointed with the way sales was taught. So I, I'm wondering your perspective in that regard and why it affected you so much. Yeah. So for me as a person, I'm a person who I don't like to be aggressive with people. I don't like to be a jerk. I don't like to be a bully. And so when I opened my business, I had to learn how to sell. And I learned had to learn how to sell higher-end products because what we sold was a high-end solution. It was in the, the thousands to be able to work with us originally. And so I had I hired mentors and I hired coaches. And a lot of them would tell me, hey, you just have to be aggressive. You have to go for the clothes. You have to assume the sale. If they cry, they buy. And for me, it just that wasn't me. And it brought me into an, an existential crisis because I thought to myself, well, I left the medical environment to help people holistically, but now I'm manipulating them and bullying them to make a decision to help them. I felt like I was living a lie. And, and so I wasn't willing to settle for that. So I took what I was already doing in terms of our mental health work 
uh, which included cognitive behavior therapy, motivational interview, interviewing and acceptance commitment therapy, and a lot of other modalities and align that with our sales system. And so I created what we call a psychotherapeutic system of selling without manipulation, aggressive tactics, or making people feel salesy. And ultimately it's resulted in us calling it compassion conversations. Yeah, and to that point, I'm also uh, wondering your thoughts on what it means to you to have passion and compassion as an entrepreneur. What do you think the key is to capturing your business goals? Yeah, I think one of the big things as an entrepreneur is we have to recognize that we are in our own domain and we're also working with people, human beings. We're working with people who work with us and we're working with customers. And so we have to recognize that if we can build and grow what we do from the inside out with compassion and care, we can take care of people. We can build a culture where people feel like we care. We have their best interest in mind. We get people who will follow us to the ends of the earth. And this is really the key to getting employees to stay with you. It's not about paying them more. It's not about giving them more perks. It's about helping them recognize that they're part of the bigger vision. And that bigger vision is something that they can believe in and something that they can stand for. And I, I think one of the keys to really succeeding as an entrepreneur is continuously being able to, as the CEO or as the head of the business, to continuously be able to resell that vision. You're selling that vision to employees. You're selling that vision to customers. You're selling that vision to the general public uh, eventually. And so you're consistently in a place where you have to communicate your value and sell your vision so people continue to buy into it. And look at some of the bigger companies that do this well. You look at Elon Musk. Everybody keeps buying into his vision. You look at back in the day with Apple, everybody keeps buying into that vision because they believe in the people involved. Yeah, and to that point, you know, I'm also uh, fascinated to get your perspective on what do you think it means to have effective and productive uh, tactics in business in order to run a successful business? Yeah, I think in order to run a successful business, it really comes down to systems. So when we first opened up our brick and mortar originally, we were working, we would get up at 4 a.m. and we wouldn't go to bed till like midnight because there was just so much to do. But the problem was we didn't create systems. All we did was buy ourselves an expensive job. And so what I figured out down the road was in order to build a, an effective business, the tactics that are required are creating systems to replace yourself. And those systems include writing down everything you do, writing down what the process looks like, making videos about the process, hiring people to replace you in those processes, and ultimately setting yourself up so your business works like clockwork. So your business functions and operates 24-7 without you needing to get involved and put out fires all the time. And General, we just wrapped up Women's History Month, and I'm always curious to ask guys their perspective on the impact that women have had in business in general. How do you think we uh, close the equity gap when it comes to women in general? Yeah, I think one of the problems with the equity gap and with w women in, in business in the past has been that it's it's often been male dominated. Women have some have especially 60, 70 years ago, women have been looked down upon as like lesser than or whatever. But for me, we have to move to a place to where we see women as equals. For me personally, I think women are better salespeople. I would prefer to have a woman as a uh, as a sales rep for me. My business partner who started every business with me is a woman. And, and so for me, I think women are very good at communicating. I think they're very good at selling their value. I think they're very good at business in general. And I don't think there's any reason they should be paid less or paid differently. I think the way we need to approach this is everybody is equal. Everybody is neutral. And we pay and help them based on their experience. So whatever you bring to the table is the experience you have. And that's what I'm going to base your compensation on. What can you bring to the table and what is your value as a human being? And uh, 
coming back to our larger sort of nucleus of this conversation, you know, compassion in business goes a long way, and I know you agree with that in sales, but how do you think we can better integrate compassion as more productive in business? Yeah, I think what we can do to be more productive and, and really integrate compassion in, in business is to recognize that everybody who is working with you, everybody who is buying your products, typically everybody comes from a place of love, care, and concern. And so as the business owners, what we need to do is create effective communication platforms and effective communication methods to be able to communicate in a way that displays that we care and that displays that we want to help people and displays that we're there to support and mentor. And, and a lot of this starts with basically learning how to ask questions, how to validate concerns, how to ask more questions, how to move people into a place to where you understand what they really want and need. So that way you can use that to create the reflection on your business of what it really represents and what re people really want. Yeah, and Jennifer, tell me, what do you think it means to have integrity in business? Yeah, integrity in business is basically, is standing behind your word. It's standing behind what you say you're going to do. It's not railroading people. It's not screwing people over. It's ultimately putting yourself in a place to where the words you say and the words you use are the words you will stand by. And ultimately with your employees and staff, it's helping them understand that you recognize that you're there for them. And when you tell them you'll do something, you actually do it. When you work to mentor them, you actually mentor them. And so I think the biggest part of having integrity in business itself is being in, in integrity with yourself. And if you can't be in integrity with yourself, then I think you have a problem because people aren't going to trust you. They're not going to believe in you. They're not going to want to follow the vision. And ultimately, that's going to lead you to a path to where people leave and you have high employee turnover. Yeah. And just for you personally, you know, I'm all about uh, celebrating the wins in life. So my next question has to do with how do you celebrate the wins in your life and sort of recenter yourself when things sort of get a little hectic in life? Yeah, for me, it's about learning how to be grounded. And so when things are up, they're up. When they're down, they're down. And in business, what I've learned is, and I actually got this from provider burnout in clinical psychology, because often psychologists will meet, we will meet with people and they will start to adopt those people's problems and they'll start to experience burnout based on what their clients are suffering with. So what I learned was in business, we have to learn to remove that. We have to remove the highs and remove the lows and stay neutral in what we're doing and operating. So I don't get overly excited over client success. I don't get overly excited or bummed out when we lose employees or when things happen because I've learned that I have to stay grounded. So I'm not on extreme ups, ups and downs and I can stay grounded and neutral in the way I run the business and make decisions that are going to allow us to continue to move forward. And I think if people struggle with this, what you have to ask yourself is, there's a problem. Uh, is that problem going to haunt me five years from now? If the answer is yes, then okay, well, how do I fix it? I can't just sit here and suffer. I have to fix it. If the answer is no, well, then I'm going to give my permission, myself permission to just let it go. And tell me, what are uh, uh, three uh, primary principles in your opinion? in your opinion, to stay neutral in business? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is communication with yourself. If you want to stay neutral in your business and in your communication with other human beings, it's communicating. It's asking questions. So, hey, I'm not feeling very good right now. I feel terrible. Well, okay, well, what, what, what's making me feel terrible? Oh, well, maybe I didn't sleep well last night. Okay, well, what, why didn't I sleep? If I ask myself questions and I'm continuously questioning myself internally, 
I can start to remove the emotion from the equation and walk myself off the cliff and walk myself back to a place to where I can be okay. Yeah, and to that point, Jeff, how do you personally define passion and purpose? I think passion and purpose is defined by ultimately what makes you happy and what helps you see the grand vision of your life. So your passion can be different than your business. Your passion and purpose can be something beyond your business. Your passion can be changing the landscape of what you're doing. Your passion could just be going out and surfing with your daughter. Your passion is what makes you tick long-term, what makes you wake up and say, wow, that, that's exciting. And I think a lot of the time people leave the weekends for their passion and they use the weekdays to kind of make everything work towards that. But in reality, I think what we can do is integrate that into every piece of our life and integrate passion and purpose into everything we do because it makes us stronger overall. Yeah, and just a fun one for you, Chandler. I'm wondering, Franz, if you had a no barriers to entry in terms of what one guilty pleasure you can have for the rest of your life. What would that be, buddy? Oh, man. One guilty. I'd eat pizza and tacos for every meal for the rest of my life. And I just alternate them. And eventually, we'll just have pizza tacos and then a taco pizza. Just go crazy with it. It would be exciting. Now, are you a meatless pizza guy? Do you enjoy pepperoni? Are you a cheese pizza guy? What do you got, buddy? What do you like? I'm a pepperoni guy. And if you take pepperoni and like stuffed crust, you're in heaven. Like that's That's legit. Well, I have to tell you, buddy, I'm a carnivore at heart. Give me as much meat as I can get, right? In moderation, yeah. of course. That's right. More meat, more better. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> and tell me, buddy, I'm curious, but when you're not working, do you have like a, a Netflix series that you binge watch? What do you, what do, you do for fun, bud? Yeah, a couple of different things. I, I enjoy diving, anything in the water. I like to surf. I like to scuba dive. I like to snorkel. Uh, and the other thing I like to do is I have a three-year-old daughter and she's like my best friend. So I like, we, we hang out, I, I'm teaching her to snorkel, teaching we, she sits on the front of my surfboard and we go out on the surf. Uh, and so one of the coolest things I think that I've experienced in this phase of my life is, is becoming a dad because I'm not only raising a little person, but I'm learning to relive life all over again with her. We're looking at butterflies. And, oh, that is a butterfly. That's pretty cool. What color is it? We're going out on the surfboard. Everything's just brand new and exciting. So it's like this new way to, to live life and to relive it and to re-see things. Yeah. Now as a girl dad, I'm curious to ask my father a question this way. What sort of professional and personal example or legacy do you want to leave for your job? Yeah, when I look at what I want to leave for my daughter, I, I want to be the person that she looks at when I'm gone and says, my dad was there for me. He, he was always supportive of me. He was the person who I wanted to emulate, that I wanted to replicate. And I ultimately want her to grow up having a father who she looked looked up at and a father that was always there for her. Because I, I think one of the problems with daughters is if dad isn't there, it creates problem for their life throughout their adult life. And so for me, I want to have been the catalyst to allow her to live a great life, to look to me as someone who gave her a great life and someone who was there for her and someone who taught her things and someone who took the time to actually experience life with her. Yeah, absolutely. And just one follow-up to that. I'm curious, do you have a model that you live your life by, like in general? Yeah, there's basically two models I live by. Number one is we're, we're creating a culture of care. So we're creating a culture of care in our business and in our lives and across the board with everybody we interact with and everybody we operate. And then my second motto that I like to use is we're just always having a good time. 
life should be fun. Business should be fun. And it's okay to enjoy yourself a little. Absolutely. And tell me, follow if people want to get connected with your brother, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, just follow me on Instagram. So Instagram.com forward slash Chandler underscore SAF or on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Chandler Walker SAF. And if you're interested in getting my nine-step framework to creating compassion conversations, our sales system, just go to ninestep.cultureofcare.life. That's the number nine step dot culture of care dot life. Fantastic. Well, you know, uh, Chandler, uh, I'm a uh... I, I like to uh, consider myself a compassionate and caring guy, and I have a tremendous amount of passion for having impactful and informative conversations, and I certainly would put that, this one in that category. So the work that you do in the space and the time on my behalf, buddy, is most appreciated, and I want to thank you uh, for engaging in conversation with me this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for bringing me on. Hopefully we gave some value to people and, and I enjoyed the conversation. We even talked about baseball season starting, which gave me some excitement for the day. And let's keep doing this. Let's keep having good times in life.